Thread. God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Thread. Hi there, welcome back. I'm Chuck Quinley and this is Thread episode 79. Today's topic, the necessity of conflict. You know, one of the characteristics of being in your 40s and beyond in your career is a pronounced increase in conflict. And I guess this is because you are now at the age and the seniority that you're in charge of things and you are running into other people who are in charge of things. And there's a a natural competition that sometimes goes on as those who have a a little authority start reaching out for more, and then you start to realize you need to protect uh, some of your authority, and uh, the, this just becomes a part of your life. It's aggravating, but it's part of it. Uh, I have a friend named Fred Garman, and he did his PhD on conflict, and he said that actually um, the church should run to places of conflict because we ought to really, really be good at it, Uh, you know, because it's a pregnant situation. It usually means that there is an old situation that isn't working anymore, and there are the keepers of the old situation, and they're embedded in it, and somehow either they profit from it uh, or they're just so used to it and they don't like to see things, you know, messed up. And so they defend it, although it doesn't work. And there's a new force that comes in, and they want to see some change. They want to see some new things going on. And so you end up with this situation of conflict. And it's a, it's a moment where something new can be birthed, hopefully not by splitting, but by, uh, you know, if the old guard wasn't so insecure and often so set on holding their position for that last 10 years of their uh, career, if they could see it and see the importance of becoming elders who uh, transition things smoothly into the hands of the next generation and remain as valuable counselors, then change would take place very smoothly. But, you know, that's not how it usually goes. And furthermore, when you are involved in kingdom work, or you just have a stand, you know, your life is a, is, is a, mm, you're standing up for Jesus. And wherever you're at in the workplace, or if it's a ministry situation, you are there to represent the Lord and his kingdom. And in doing that, you're already in a conflict, whether you realize it or not, because we stand against the powers of darkness and, you know, power versus power, and there's this huge, just to be a Christian is to already be involved in a power conflict. Because the Bible says the entire world is under the authority of the evil one, and Jesus came with the express intention of establishing God's authority over everything. Uh, Not that God couldn't just take things, but the point is he gave authority knowing what Adam would do with it. He gave Adam the authority over this world, and Adam gave his authority away to the devil by disobeying God and coming out from under the Father's covering. And so Jesus came to bring the kingdom back, bring back the authority of God. And so when we stand up for the Lord, uh, you are standing against this illegitimate authority that the devil has put 
everywhere. And this illegitimate authority invades all the workplaces that we're in. It invades government. It invades education. Amazingly, it invades religion and even Christianity is invaded by dark forces. Um, I've quoted him so many times, Moltmann, his quote, um, all the central tendency of all institutions is toward the demonic, toward those abuses characteristic of principalities, powers, and spiritual darkness in high places. So the more you get something structured and the more power you give that human structure, the more it seems bent toward evil. Uh, it becomes a place of human power. Anyway, that was a long introduction to get to uh, today's topic, which is the, the necessity for Christians to become, I, I don't want to say comfortable, but let me at least say competent in handling conflict. Conflict is necessary. It doesn't have to be a bloody conflict. It doesn't have to be screaming. You don't have to lose your cool. But you have to, if you're a change agent, that means conflict is, is essentially what you are doing. You're coming into situations where things are going one way, and you are going to compete against that way, and you're going to push, and you're going to push that it should go a different direction. And you have to understand, people come back on that. They don't like change. So we're here in Acts chapter 5, and the apostles... In our last uh, message uh, from Acts chapter 5, verse 12, God releases amazing power through them, supernatural power. People are getting healed and delivered and set free. The power of God is rising up, and God is destroying the power of the enemy that keeps people in bondage. And then the institution keepers, those who live their life according to the power that they've gotten, they rise up. And that's where we're at today. Verse 17 says, then the high priest rose up. I mean, why would he rise up? They're laying hands on the sick and they're healing people and casting out demons. That ought to be a good thing, not to those in power. The high priest rose up and those who were with him, the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled Filled means there's not room for anything else. They were filled with indignation. And that word is also translated jealousy. They were filled with jealousy at the loss of central authority. These people had spiritual authority. They didn't have any, interesting, they didn't have any systematic system authority. They didn't have any titles. They didn't have any, uh, they weren't part of any association that gave them credentials. They were just individuals, but they operated under God's powerful authority. And God had given them power through the Holy Spirit, and he had given them authority to use it in the name of Jesus. And they were living out their authority. And these religious rulers laid hands on them, verse 18, and put them in the common prison. But it was the end of the day. They don't like to work late. So they locked them up overnight and uh, went home. During the night, verse 19, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said something to them. Notice what he said. He doesn't say, all right, run to another city. You know, go find a safer place. He says, go stand in the temple. Well, it's supposed to be God's temple, not man's. 
And so if God wants to give a message, he ought to be able to do it in his own temple. So the angel says to these people, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. I love how how it's characterized. He doesn't say, go tell them about this new religion. Go ask them to join your group. He says, just tell them the words about this life. He doesn't even tell them what to say. All the words of this life. And that's just what the gospel is. It's the words from God describing this new kind of life that Jesus has brought us, where we come out from the power of darkness and we come under the authority of the Father. And he's able to bless us and be Father to us. So, verse 21, they did exactly that. They enter the temple early in the morning and they start teaching. Uh, Just to summarize the rest of the narrative there, the high priests and all them, they show up, you know, for work the next day, and they gather in their big council chambers, and they give the order to the bailiff to go and get these men out of jail. When they go down to the jail, they find the, the big locks are there, the guard is still there, and um, they're not there. And they come back and say, you know, everything's in place, but they're gone. And, you know, now the angel has told these disciples, go intensify your confrontation. Just intensify that confrontation. So now these guys are looking for them. And someone runs in and goes, hey, the guys you put in jail yesterday, they're standing out in the temple. They're teaching everybody. Uh, They get furious. And so they jump up, send soldiers out. But as always, they're scared of the people. Verse 26. They're scared of the people. And uh, so they, they don't act violently while they're in public. And they bring and set them before the council with all the power of the council. And the high priest says, did we not? You know, we have authority. Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. You intend to bring this, this man's blood on us. And Peter says, basically, verse 29 and 30, it is on you. You killed him. Verse 29, we ought to obey God rather than men. We have a higher authority. Now that verse is abused over and over again by rebellious people who claim to have heard from God and don't want to follow anybody else's authority. But Peter rightly had it. An angel of God had spoken to him. Peter says, we ought to obey God, not you. Verse 30, the God of our fathers has raised up Jesus whom you did murder. By hanging on a tree, verse 31, him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior and give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin, verse 32, and we are his witnesses, and so is the Holy Spirit. I think that's cool. He treats the Holy Spirit as another person in the room. We are human witnesses. We're not the only witnesses. The Holy Spirit witnessed you kill him. And the Holy Spirit witnessed God raise him up, and the Holy Spirit is the witness that he sits at the right hand of the Father with all power and authority. And that's why we're able to do all these wonderful things that we can do every day right out in the temple, which you claim to be your temple. So there, um, this battle has now come face to face. You know, one day I watched a man... I was driving through a neighborhood, and I saw this man. It was a a single man, and he was there supposed to uh, break up this whole sidewalk. He had no tools. 
and I watched him. He had um, put a little piece of bar under a corner of this. Oh, it must have been six inches thick, solid concrete. And I watched him pounding on this rock over and over again. Nothing happened. Um, and then he hit it one time, and there was this small sound. You know, it was just a little signal. But with every successive blow, this big piece of concrete began to fall apart. You know, the core had snapped, and now it was weak. And although it was still large, and although it was still unchanged to the eye, it had broken, and now was time to push. And that's where the church was in those days. They were, they were in a uh, they were in a position, and there was a time, and they were going out in the temple every day, and they were pounding that stone. And the other side has now reacted to it, and it looks like, you know, the priests are going to have the upper hand. But no, there's that, that's that signal. Something broke inside the priesthood. Something broke inside the temple structure. And, you know, God had told them. He didn't say, go out in the country, let them cool down. He said, no, go right back in the temple. Go right back in the temple. Speak to the people. Don't speak to the church. Don't just speak to each other. That's what we do in the church. He said, speak to the people. I'm afraid we've lost our voice to the world almost entirely. But he says, speak to the outside people. Speak to the people and speak all these words and don't stop it. Just keep the pressure up because this thing is about to crack. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's a word for some of you. Maybe you're in a situation where God has called you to speak a word for him and be an agent of change. And the other system has pushed back on you and you find yourself trying to decide whether to just like back down a little bit, you know, or keep at it. In this case, Peter not only keeps the pressure up, he intensifies the pressure. Uh, verse 33 says, they were furious at him. They plotted to kill them. And God had a man in the council named Gamaliel who stood up and who spoke wisdom to them. And he said, can we bring God back into this discussion? Because these men just, you know, they just appear to have nothing to do with the real God. It's just about their religion, their position. You know, they're going to murder somebody. That's the religious council's new position. And Gamaliel says, can we remember for a minute that we represent God? And if these men are not from God, God is big, and God will bring them to nothing, and he will destroy them. But if you, he said, verse 38, keep away from these men. Leave them alone. If this is from man, it will be nothing. But if it's of God, you can't overthrow it. You will be fighting against God. And something in his spirit was able to bring those men back to the reason they joined this council in the first place. And that was to serve and honor and bow down before God. And so they beat them instead for disobeying them. And they command them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. And the disciples walk out, verse 41, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name, verse 42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Just keep that pressure up. 
stay on the course, stay on the message, don't let up. You know, it's, ah, I just think it's such a beautiful, a beautiful story. And it's an understanding that there's a time to back down and move to another place, but there's another time to hold your position and even to intensify your push because you're in righteous cause. It's not just your pride versus their pride, but it really is a, a clear cut situation where darkness is pushing back against the light. And there's times when God's word to you is push ahead. Now, there may be consequences. I mean, I, I deal with the persecuted church all the time. And I, I meet young men, and you know, we've, we've had pastors who've disappeared that we know of uh, recently in Laos 8. Uh, so there are consequences to pushing back. But you just make sure that it's not your pride versus their pride. It's your obedience to God and you standing for the kingdom cause, not your own cause. And the Lord will get his victory. So let's get comfortable with seasons of conflict. We don't run around starting fires everywhere. But there are times that a conflict comes to us, and that's a test. That's a moment where we have to decide how serious we are about this thing we claim to believe in. And I just pray that when it's your time of testing, you will stand firm, you'll stand on principle, and God can vindicate you in the end and get glory for His name. But keep that spirit sweet. Peter keeps as respectful a tone as he can, but he does not yield one inch. Well, that's all for today. Uh, if you want to talk to me directly, chuck at coinly.com. I would love to hear from you. And I want to say thanks to those who've recently been emailing me. Uh, it really encourages me to hear back from you and to know that uh, this, this podcast is meaningful in your life. And so I just pray that God will do a deeper work in all of our lives and help us to become the kind of leaders that the world needs us to be. So God bless you. Until next time, on Thread. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Log on to Quinley.com. Thread.